welcome to another episode of the Reason to Behold podcast with Arnold Reasons. Tony Talks. And we have three... Oh, sorry. You go, you go, you no, go. You no, no, that no, 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 that no, no, no. Listen, you, you start it off and then I can intro her. <laughs> I need space so to prepare have... my red carpet. Ah, please. No, no long red carpet. We have three very special guests today. We have Gus, and who is fondly known as Gus's fiance, aka Money Mims. Come in on. The build. Welcome, welcome, both of you. Spray that money. Thank you for having us. <laughs> Hi everyone! <laughs> Thanks for having us, guys. <laughs> no worries. And we also have the special, special, special. I think that's my intro every single time. So special, my missus. I'm so special. Nash. Hi guys. <laughs> Welcome back. back. Thank you for having me once again. Thank good, you for good. being here. So we have a special episode today. Um, so normally Arnold and I talk about you know business, work, careers. And actually, we thought it would be cool to hear from the ladies today um, about some of their experiences in that same arena. Because, um, yeah, we were kind of realizing that actually you guys probably experience some very different things to, do, to what we do. Um, and it would be good for both the guys and the girls to also hear, you know, what you guys have to say and how you guys find it. So why don't we start with um, Money Mims? Why don't you tell us a bit about what you do? Mrs. K, you tell us about kind of what you guys do in your careers and then we'll we'll chop it out from there. Okay, um, so I am a corporate finance lawyer. <laughs> money, money, money. <laughs> paper, paper. Please, guys. Please. Yeah, boy. <laughs> That's why Gus is smiling all the time, isn't it? Huh. <laughs> Um, what else was I supposed to say? <laughs> Your career for? How long have you been working? Um, so I have been working, oh gosh, so I'm actually probably about two years qualified, but before then I would have done a two-year um, training, so that would take me to four years, uh, and then yeah, previous experiences, definitely for a bit longer than that. Um, and Nash, what about you? So I'm a marketing professional and I work in the IT industry um, and I um, look after all sorts of things from like visual branding, um, I look after just general communications, um, events, corporate events and so much more but I won't bore you with all of that um, but yeah that's pretty much what I do. Okay cool. And so how did you guys find it kind of making that transition from university into the workplace? Rough to begin with, personally. Why did you say that? Well, first of all, when I wanted to do marketing, I think I had a different idea of what it was going to be. Um, so when I went to university, I kind of didn't really like the course, even though I love my career. It's really strange to say that, right? I felt like with marketing for me it's something that once you're doing it you really get into it and you feel it out a lot more whereas the theory at university made it really dry and really kind of um uninteresting for me so when i did finished my degree i didn't actually go into a marketing role i actually went and became self-employed um during um personal styling doing event planning and um what else was I doing? I was also doing photography. I literally threw myself into basically being like a freelancer, doing a little bit of everything based on things that I had as an interest. 
So I didn't actually venture into marketing straight away as a career path. So I did that for about a year and a half, um, which allowed me to really grow as a person, I would say. And then I eventually went to get a marketing role. Um, but I felt like school or university didn't really give me that desire to work in marketing because they made it seem so boring. But then when I was running my own businesses, I was applying marketing in what I was doing. And then I fell back in love with it and went into a career of doing it. Nice. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. Yeah, what about you, Mira? Um, so for me, to be honest, to begin with, it was actually quite a smooth journey uh, in terms of I really saw the hand of God because things were just falling in place, uh, not by my own wisdom. <laughs> um, so I did a four year course and I managed to get a placement year, uh, which looked amazing on my CV. Um, and I also I think because I had good grades in my first year, um, I got an opportunity to get a really great experience in one of the big firms in London. So that also helped my CV. So it meant that I had a lot of like impressive things by the time I was applying for um, the law graduate jobs, uh, which they call a training contract. Um, I already had these very impressive um, work experience, including a year working in industry. Um, And yeah, and I think I really enjoyed coming into London and going to the networking events, going Mm. to the law firms. So that helped me to meet people and I found a lot of favor um, to get mentored. So a lot of things snowballed and happened organically um, up to the point where I got a training contract with a firm I would have never dreamt of or (laughs) known it existed. Um, So yeah, I think getting into it, it was it was definitely a lot of hard work. I had to buy books to just understand how the city works. Me, I'm a small girl from a small village. Uh, that's even before I come from a small village in Africa. Yeah, no, but just to understand like this city of London and finance. Um, I, yeah, I had I had to buy the books. I had to go to the events. So... I pretty much treated it like an extra module when I was at uni. But question, was there anything that you found tough adjusting? Yes, because the spaces I was going into um, as a woman, a woman of color, a black woman, um, as an African, African with an accent where English doesn't always come out correctly um, and also not coming from an Oxford, Cambridge background. Um, I had a lot of imposter syndrome. I I still have that and working through that by the grace of God. Mm -hmm. Um, And also just, it's a steep learning curve. But I think because I had previous work experience, by the time I actually started full-time work, um, I was definitely more professional uh, because I had had those previous work experiences. And so you mentioned a few different kind of variables. So you mentioned about firstly being a woman in the workplace, but then also being black in the workplace and then being like a black woman in the workplace. 
could you like expand a bit on kind of how you feel those various parts kind of like what kind of things did you kind of in your head were you going through when dealing with some of those situations and that's the same question for you too um i think without even going too deep into it the feeling of do i belong here Mm. um and am i supposed to be here which i guess that's that imposter syndrome mm. um and also whilst you're in those spaces being able to build a rapport being able to build relationships with your colleagues um can be quite difficult if you don't have a lot of things in common with them um so if i'm in a team and there's mostly guys and they speaking about football i don't really have that in common um if they're speaking about what they did over the weekend i'm like i was in prayer on friday um <laughs> worship practice on saturday on the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah and feeling like oh gosh I, i don't really know what to say if i start going on i can't really <laughs> go without making people then your colleagues are now uncomfortable because mm. you mentioned church um <laughs> you isolate yourself um So I think yeah it it is just that adjustment of feeling like I belong mm. and building relationships with colleagues. Okay. And what about you Nash? What's the question? Because so... you cover so much I just want to make sure that I answer it correctly. <laughs> <laughs> no you in a good way. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so Miriam was talking about how coming into the workplace she had imposter syndrome and yeah. there were some of the things that were kind of playing on her mind were about you know being a woman in the workplace being a black woman in the workplace mm-hmm. so i just wanted to understand you know did you kind of have those kind of thoughts or you know what what was your approach to, and challenges in that way mm, i don't think i would call it for myself imposter syndrome only okay. because i think of my background so i am congolese but i am i was born here in the uk and um i always grew up in an area with um predominantly white people so my whole life i was pretty much the only black girl or the black family in a predominantly white area so okay. growing up in an area like that yes i noticed i was different i experienced racism and stuff like that when i was little but it was one of those things where i felt like it made me um a lot more kind of comfortable from a young age of being by myself like being the only one who looks how I look and is how I is type of thing um so when it got to things like um the workplace I don't think I kind of felt the whole oh do I belong here because I'm black initially if that makes sense i think mm-hmm. you know like things happen generally in this country because things you know it's different but um i don't think that those were my initial thoughts mm-hmm. um the challenges that i just used to have were just my own personal challenges like do i think that i can be successful and actually do something i love i never wanted to work a job that was just doing a job i wanted to love my job i wanted to enjoy going to work and so my thing was finding a career path that i would like in the first place um some people i guess grow up always wanting to be a particular thing i never i i tried to have that and my dreams were crushed for various reasons but um <laughs> <laughs> horribly crushed okay so um 
I really struggled to find what would be my thing for years. And so my thing was more, what would I be good at? It wasn't even so much thinking about the fact that I was a woman or that I was black. It was just what would I actually be good at where I could add value. That was my thing for so many years. Just where could I add value? And I felt like even when I worked a retail job, I would go in like 110% because I was like, I need to add value type of thing. But I, because I grew up, like I said, I mentioned in a white area, um, when I would go into the work, like into like my first little job, like proper job working in the re- in retail, mm. I wasn't so much intimidated by my white colleagues because it's like I understood them. I was very different from them because their culture is completely different from mine. You know, mm. in school, mm. their idea of fun was getting drunk and sleeping with each other and all kinds of madness. That's how they kind of did life. I'm black. I don't do them things, okay? <laughs> I have strict black African parents that would align me correctly, okay? Send, right send me right back to somebody <laughs> I wasn't even born. Listen. So for me, it was definitely a thing of like coming into the workplace. I had this confidence that I can only say came from God in all honesty mm. when it came to, I look different, I sound different, but I'm here to show you that my people are good people that was my my attitude and that's always been my attitude and it still is now to the point where like i purposely wear my afro to work as much as possible like 90 percent of the time my afro is out and it's all its its glory on purpose because i want people in this country and my white colleagues to see what it's like to work with a black woman who's educated who is um kind who is cool who can relate with them even with an afro um i love coming into meetings and people who don't know me and just see me through emails meet me for the first time and you see the eyebrows go up like oh wow like they didn't expect that and because they see they see the hair and they see me how i present myself and then they kind of think back to the emails we've been exchanging and the ideas I've been bringing forward and the contributions I make to projects. It's almost like I didn't expect this from you. And I like that. So, yeah, that's kind of a little <laughs> bit. You like that. I really like that. I like, <laughs> what do you it. like about it. What I like about it is that um, I think it's a positive change for, sure. for us black women. Like for me, um, I'm just tired of seeing black women shrink in the workplace um for one of the things that when i started like my marketing career i was so kind of determined in my heart that i want to be as successful and go as high as i can possibly go because i want to see up i want to see like when i was looking at leadership in places i was working i didn't see people that looked like me i saw asian women i saw white women of course because we're in a white country um but I'd never saw black women. And for me, it was like, why? And so I kind of had this personal goal in my heart that I want to be one of those women because mm. there's no reason why I can't be there. Um, and my thing was, as long as you can do your part, i.e. showing up, being consistent in my in my projects and all that kind of stuff, you can be there. And for me, I think I just like the fact that there might be... Um, What's the word? There might be like misconceptions about black women. And I feel like I have an opportunity 
to be a positive witness for them. If they've never experienced a black woman before, I want when people experience me for them to say, nah, black women are dope. That's good. Oh. Yeah, I was going to say, that's really good. Um, there's something that you mentioned about not seeing people who are basically like you mm-hmm. in, in senior positions. So I wanted to pick up on that point about, you know, the stereotypes of what senior leadership looks like. It's typically white. It's white typically men. male. And so from the experience that you guys have had, how have you navigated one, I think, feeling that you can actually reach those senior positions and two, also reaching those senior positions, being your authentic self without necessarily feeling like you need to be like the people that are already there mm. and speak the same way they do, look the same way they do, dress the same way they do, mm-hmm. wear an afro, which they clearly don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> So I think for me, one of the key things that happened very early on when I was still a student, I met um, an amazing, very senior uh, black woman Mm. who is also from my country, Zimbabwe. And honestly, she took me under her wings um, Mm. and she, I still count her as a mentor Uh, and she's very senior uh, in one of the big investment banks um and she yeah and she basically is one of the people that i see up there Mm. um and i've made a conscious effort on linkedin to attend events to join the networks there's increasingly a lot more Mm. um because representation matters Mm. um so Mm. i think in that the more i can see these black women in positions some are very senior some are maybe like just a level two levels above me but i can see them being their very selves then that allows me to be myself mm. and i think another important thing is also um the organization the culture of the organization that you're working in um things are changing now um and hopefully will continue to change for the better but i feel like that really also makes a difference uh, in terms of if you're in a team where you feel like you can be your authentic self um, that helps you to actually do so mm. um, because I feel like it's a mixture where sometimes you are the person holding yourself back and thinking oh if I come with my afro will they judge me mm. um, or sometimes you are in an office environment if you come with your afro they will judge you yeah mm. Um, so yeah, so I think it is also just, yeah, just allowing yourself that room to be, um, and challenging, challenging those cultures. And I think definitely in today, um, things are changing. Mm. So I think we also have to be willing to be uncomfortable and to start allowing part of ourselves that we've been holding back to show up to the workplace. That's it. Mm. Definitely. Yeah, I've got a question for you both. You both touched on two things that I really picked up on. Representation, you did, Miriam, and also Nash, um, breaking down stereotypes and negative connotations and things like that. So I wanted to ask, with that in mind, and you both being Christian women, how do you both juggle your faith and the tasks that are presented to you at work? How do you navigate through those things? Is there anything that challenges your morals and things like that would be good to kind of discuss? Do you want to take that one, sis? <laughs> no, please. 
This is your fiance. Please, please, <laughs> please. And the thing is, the listeners can't see, but he was smiling as he was asking that question. <laughs> yeah, the whole dropping the big bombs, big bombs. I was just asking that question, just like anybody else. <laughs> and he's still smiling. Um. Okay. So, are there things that challenge? Okay. Are there things that challenge my faith? I mean, the world that we're living in, your faith is challenged on a daily basis. Mm. Um, so the workplace is no different. Um, the workplace is no different. Um, and I think this is where the private and personal devotional time and being strong in your relationship really helps when you're in those situations. Mm. Um, so I remember for me when I started working, um, and this is when I was really trying to be professional, belong, make friends, uh, do the best work I can. And also working very long hours, not really understanding what's going on. Um, so I would literally have my worship music in my ear uh, as, as, as I work um, as much as I could. And I would have post-its with scriptures mm. that I would meditate on during the day. Um, and we also had a prayer room at work and I would actually utilize my breaks and like lunchtime and literally just go in there and yeah, and just spend some time with the Lord to keep myself, <laughs> to keep myself mm. sane mm-hmm. um, and to keep myself centered. Um, and I think th- th- this is how I navigate. Yeah. How I navigate my world really in the workplace. Wow. That's really good. Mm-hmm. How about you, Mitch? No, likewise, I think at different points of my career, I feel like it's required um, a different kind of energy when it comes to how I confront things in the workplace. So when I first started, um, I'm trying to think, like I remember before um, I used to kind of, yeah, bring my my daily devotion. I had like this calendar thing, you know, the ones where it flips over with a scripture every day. I put, yeah. that, I put that on my desk, fam. I said, listen, Mark. people will know that this is what we're doing this here. This is holy ground. <laughs> on my desk. Because everybody had, like, pictures of their children. Oh, Me, I was very yeah. much single. Do you understand? There was no picture of anybody I was going to put there. So I put my little devotional Meet there. And, yeah, I, that was me. That was my seat. That was my everything. I made it, made sure that it was mine. And so sometimes, like Miriam, I'll just, you know, think over the scriptures that I had there. Of course, having that personal devotional time, like Miriam said, um and i remember a season when i went through workplace bullying so i had a line manager and um she was moving on to somewhere else she was amazing by the way absolutely loved her she was moving on to somewhere else and then another line manager took over her role but this woman already worked for the company that i was working for and she had no marketing experience whatsoever and it's because she was friends of friends of friends yeah she knew people in high places that she got the job so she comes in now and when she came in straight away she came in with a vibe it's almost like anyway i've got some comments to make about when you're a manager and you come into a team that was there before you arrived and how you should be i feel like if you're a manager and you've come into a team and the team has already been flowing 
just integrate yourself into the team and get to know people and get to know the systems and how they function before you start trying to make changes. She didn't even try to get to know us. She came straight away with her notepad and pen. <laughs> right, we're making some changes. And everyone's like, changes for what? Where's the problem? Where's the issues? Oh, honestly, it was like, if it's not broke, why fix it? So we all had a, we all had a, we knew how we worked together. We used WhatsApp to communicate certain messages. She decided, no, WhatsApp was not the place for that. We need emails. It's like, why are we doing this? So anyway, she came with a different kind of energy in general. And when she, um, I was the only black person in the team. That wasn't anything different. I've always had it in my life, but she was racist like she was yeah she didn't feel my vibe and it didn't help the fact that um she was how was that how was that expressed how like, how, she would how, yeah, always how able un- to really know that she was racist if you get what i mean the way she would look at me the way she would undermine me in meetings for no reason um the way that she would um just approach me in front of people and this was in comparison to your colleagues yeah to my other colleagues as well to the point where they noticed it and they started coming to ask me questions as in why does she always pick on you um because uh, the reason i ask right is because mm -hmm. sometimes it's hard to really be able to concretely say why someone is the way that they are to you Mm -hmm. you know and actually it is by and that's why i'm asking because for other people they might be having questions about okay is it just because she doesn't like me or actually is it because Mm -hmm. of the color of my skin and so i'm trying to understand Mm -hmm. what helped you to really decipher between the two because yes she there was certain conversation this is a little while back so i'm trying to throw my brain back there i remember her making passing comments to me Mm. about like she'll ask me questions like so mm, so what was it like for you growing up you know like those kinds of things where it's almost like sorry like mm? yeah like (laughs) would you ask a white person like you would yes it was just very like you know it's kind of like i know how your kind are like what kind are we talking about those kind Mm, of things they're those sort of things it's kind of like yeah we're not gonna do that okay and so that's where i had to bring my my christian lioness out because the bible talks about how jesus is the lion and the lamb right so he's not just the lamb we need to know when the lion needs to come out so there were just yeah there were times when she definitely did make me cry and i'd go to the bathroom and cry and then i'd have to pray up and be like no this is not happening kind of thing and come Mm. back out and have to address her we'll be in a meeting and she'll try to make me feel really stupid so I'll, i'll clap back but in a very professional way um not liking just kind of give an attitude but if she was to say no we're not going to do that i'd be like you know i'd ask her why and challenge her her way of kind of thinking on a project and there'll be times when i would make my point so clear that my colleagues were like i agree with nash i think i think what nash makes a lot of sense and then she'll get really annoyed you can see she's just like screwing me because it's like you made me look stupid in front of my own team you made your own team stupid Um, I think it's a really interesting balance that you talk about between kind of challenging her and all that kind of stuff. But because, you know, there's always the stigma of like being the angry black person. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you were able to walk that line in terms of I'm still going to be firm. Mm -hmm. Right. And let you know what's up. But Mm -hmm. there's no way even try and bring that rubbish to me. Yep. And that's something that you were conscious of or? 100%. And I think that comes from just discipleship and the word, seeing how Christ handled 
people um the pharisees and stuff like that it, it, it just gives context that okay there is a time when you are supposed to address things head on and i think in the workplace the worst thing i think we can do as women as black women as christian people is to just kind of shy away and almost just let them do and say whatever they want i think that there's a way to be constructive because i see it with like you try to move to a muslim person with a hijab yeah they will bring their whole team down on you like you made me feel <laughs> uncomfortable you coming. you like my religion this my religion that that they have no issues and stuff so for me it was a case of like i actually served the one true living god so what are we really saying here um and i guess it came from one of the one of the scriptures that always is kind of dear to my heart is in daniel when it says that they um those that know their god shall be strong mm-hmm. and do great exploits that has been something that's really held me in my years of just walking with christ that's good and just to add on to that because miriam you're also in a very traditional uh yes. career path <laughs> <laughs> and and i was gonna ask you what's your experience been like have you okay i'm pretty sure i don't know what so, the answer is but racism <laughs> so and stereotypes I, I, all of that so I think for me, um, oh, just on the racism, I think in in my field, it's not just the racism. It's also, it's a very elitist yeah. um, profession. Uh, and like I said, a lot of the, like a, a lot of people are coming from Ox- Oxford, Cambridge. So they're Oxbridge people. Um, they've, yeah, they've middle class um privilege and all of that um and so i remember i even had a manager who well a supervisor who would ask me what do your parents do like Mm -hmm. every other week why would you you do this like talk about trying to scrub someone out exactly and i'm like my my parents are professionals so for me it's like it's fine but that's not really and i didn't actually realize that it wasn't appropriate yeah until we kept mm. doing it like what does and it matter what my parents do exactly when i mentioned it to someone that's when they were like oh that's very that's that's when i realized um and i think honestly god keeps me because yeah because there it is a place where you still have people that will say throwaway comments that can literally crush you mm. um and I think I've been on the other end where I've definitely shrunk myself uh, because it's also a very hierarchical industry. Um, so because I'm junior coming up, um, you always feel like all um, the partners, they're senior. You don't really question what they say and you go ahead, you agree with everything they say. Um, and in my head, I think the whole angry black woman and the fact that outside i know i'm very loud Mm -hmm. (laughs) so in the workplace i would actually be whispering and like not speaking up and it wasn't until um one of my work friends um i said something about oh i'm very loud and they're like what Mm. since law school you've never been loud and that's when i realized that yeah um, the person I am at work is very different. <laughs> mm. 
And I think it was literally trying to move away from this loud black woman. Mm. I completely went the other way. (laughs) (laughs) And I was not actually showing that I'm a very confident person. Mm. And I know I belong here, even though sometimes I'm having to strive for it. Mm. Um, And having that confidence and showing that confidence and being able to speak up and yeah and i think it's definitely something i'm so so much better on now mm. Mm. just to bounce back on what you both been saying both touched on you know your ability to you know overcome these things um by going back to your word and affirming yourself and say actually no i understand the way i'm in christ and i'm going to challenge this so what practical things would you say you can do to kind of overcome those conflict conversations or scenarios where you're in meetings like Nash is saying and somebody's really trying to come at you or you're just in conversation with your supervisor and they're trying to give you feedback that completely doesn't make sense and it's completely an outlier so what practical things would you say you can do to kind of overcome those situations both of you I'll ask you first Mary. I think the first thing is ask the Lord for wisdom Mm-hmm. Um, because how you respond in situations, you, it's very easy. Um, and I know myself, I'm an emotional and very passionate person. It's very easy to respond emotionally. Um, so I ask for wisdom in terms of how I respond to those things. Mm-hmm. And this is part of my daily walk, my, my personal walk. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, yeah. And in terms of practically, I tend to be, I will take take the comments um, if it's like feedback, I will always take feedback and then I'll reflect on it. Um, mm-hmm. And then if there's things that I don't agree with or things that I don't understand, I will go back and I'll ask about those because I feel like there has been times where I've been misunderstood. Mm. So I will go back and actually say, can I clarify this? Okay, no, I, I don't actually agree with that um i think it yeah. was one instance and, and the reason was this and that and that That's really um cool. and i think having colleagues in the workplace that you can talk to um, and having friends in the workplace is very important mm-hmm. um, and it's something that i have been lucky to have um everywhere where i've worked so those are the people that you know this person because I feel like when you speak to like your friends that are not in the workplace, they don't know mm-hmm. who you're talking about. Yeah. So it's very easy for them to take your side, right? Yeah. <laughs> We're always on your side. <laughs> exactly. So having the colleague at work where you can go to them and say, oh, this, this is what's going on and getting, asking for their advice. Yeah. Um, and also the last thing for me is mentorship and sponsorships by senior people so finding someone who is maybe in a different department who is at the same level as your manager or um who is able to not necessarily it doesn't have to be like speaking about the direct issues that you're having but just generally someone you can actually ask for wisdom in terms of your career yeah that's some of the practical things and then meditating on the word really like for me there were times when i just had to be like 
I am the head and not the tail. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. All of those scriptures that my mom used to like go, (laughs) you know, when you're like, you don't have time to go grabbing for the Bible. (laughs) And it's those scriptures that you've had time and time again. And they became the like lip in those moments. Like, wait, actually, no, I feel like nothing, but that's not true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the tough group last year respond or told you sorry i think what you said there was really bold about taking note and going back and actually saying okay i've heard your what you said however these are my comments back and i really love that because i think that relates to representation because when you leave a good word or a good thought of yourself in somebody in some sense that's an ally to represent you so when you are in those meetings and discussions are being had and it's a change that can affect you because you've come out of a conversation mm. and left a positive um yeah a positive mark somebody can actually represent you and say actually no miriam she's cool she's actually okay she does xyz so i really love that and i was really bold mm. about taking the position i'm even reflecting because i don't even do that <laughs> going back and let me think what you said and actually go back rather mm. Instead, I usually just respond right there and then. Right there and then. Right so, <laughs> you are bold. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Nash, what do you what do you think? I'd like I to hear think, your um, perspective. I agree with everything that Miriam just said, and I think a scripture that was coming to mind is, um, you know, the one that talks about um, in the multitude of of counsel there is safety. And I really think that's that's it. And that's something I was actually going to say as well. Just the importance of actually having some workplace friends, genuine people that you know you can be open with. And you can also ask, like so-and-so said this about me, you know, do you think that's that's true? Do you do you find this is this is me as well? Just to make sure that you, you haven't missed a blind spot. Mm. And because sometimes you can, um, again, Proverbs talks about how everybody is right in their own eyes. Yeah. So it's very easy to be wrong and strong and and stuff <laughs> so, wrong and strong yeah mate so it's really good to um to be able to to kind of be like okay listen is, is this a blind spot am i missing something here how did you think i handled myself in that project just to make sure like miriam said before you go storming in there with your emails and then you're actually wrong that's listen, not the way. i've done it um, <laughs> do you know what? i think that's actually a really key point you're mentioning though because like point blank as black people i think you already come in with like a whole lot of things you might be wrestling with in your mind kind of like what you were speaking about the inferiority syndrome mm-hmm. um what was the other thing imposter syndrome all of these different things where you're processing all of these things so it's almost like the minute something happens you can almost default to thinking that yep that's what that is yep this is racism yes this is this so i think there's a lot of strength in taking a step back as a believer and saying is this actually true? Is there a valid point for me to take from it? Because it might be, like you said, that the whole thing isn't necessarily true that somebody else is saying, but there could be something within it that could actually um, be worth reflecting on and working on. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know, I think in some ways there's always something, right? Because I think what I try and do is try and make myself as bulletproof as possible, right? So like where if even if someone is gunning for me, right, what I'm thinking is, okay, these are the things that they can even gun me for. So let me make sure that all of these things are actually on point. Right. So there was this one lady who um who when I was a grad, like this woman, she hated men and she hated grads. And I was like a male grad. So like <laughs> so 
<laughs> and so I turned up to this meeting with her. And, you know, she just wanted to go my whole life anyway. And I take notes on my laptop, right? And she said, I am mortified that you even turned up to a meeting with me without a notepad. I said, what? Without a notepad? I just want to know, how slowly did you turn the laptop around? <laughs> <laughs> Was there like a dramatic pause? Was it like a quick... Like, so how... this is this is like 22 year old me yeah so there's very limited like smoothness so i was flapping i was like uh but i take notes on my laptop and uh, 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 and i just thought what like how are you gunning me for not having a notebook yeah but then actually i also realized that look even in that because when you go into a meeting and you're typing away on your laptop no one actually knows what you're doing yeah right people will think you're doing emails and to be honest sometimes i am doing emails so for me i also learned that look even for appearances sake sometimes it's good to have your notebook right because these are some of the things that especially the older generation who are more senior than you these are some of the things that actually feed into their mindset so for me it's like even if someone is fully gunning for me I'm going to take the things that you're firing at me and use them to build my armor to say, okay, actually, I've learned this little thing that people don't like. Mm-hmm. Let me fix that. Let me do that. Because then when it comes down to other situations, actually, I already know all of those things and I'm actually operating in that way naturally. Agreed. Agreed. Mm. And it's actually the second point I was going to say about being blameless as mm. much as possible, as much as it depends on just be blameless because yeah there will be points like what um Tolly just mentioned things like rather than taking your laptop just take your notebook like for me i like making notes on my phone when i'm doing my own thing however <laughs> the phone one looks like you're just texting it looks like nah don't do it you're already I'll, a millennial you're exactly. <laughs> yeah so there's so many things and stuff and i think like what you said it's like it's really important that you understand the stakeholders that you have at, at work and the different expectations they have like for example the roles that i do do what the one i do at the moment i i'm always with senior leadership i'm always chilling with the ceo because of the the nature of what i do i have to know what's in his head and what he wants to communicate to the whole company so with that being said i can't be sitting with him and i'm there twiddling my fingers making notes on my phone and if for some reason I don't have a notebook because sometimes he'll just call me and it's just like I'm there and my phone is with me I'll make sure it's angled in a way where he can see I'm <laughs> I'm making notes like I'll put it on the table no in between that. us yeah. and I'll be like okay so point one I've put here point two okay yeah. are these what are you happy with these points let him scan it yeah, yeah. we all know where we are kind of thing okay. so yeah and even if it's like oh let me just send you the notes that I've been taking Come or on. even if you open yes. by saying oh I'm just going to take my notes and yes. I'll share them after That's because it. first you're adding value he doesn't have to take notes that's yeah. it. right but then he also knows i ain't just here like instagramming my mm-hmm. people's like no. that's it <laughs> oh gosh i'm definitely old school i'm mortified i'm like bring your notepad and pen <laughs> but you know what yeah, it's the most inefficient thing it's very you inefficient because you have to type it up later and, type up those yeah. anyway. and all it takes is one liquid spill and it's over it no but i also but i also i also think it depends on um like the role you do and stuff like that like i feel like Working in marketing, that's just not conducive to always have things pen to paper because I have to share my notes and things that I do with so many different people across the business. It just doesn't make sense. I'm having meetings with like eight different departments at a time sometimes. So the mm. thought of having to write down eight different thoughts and that points is mortifying. that is, yeah, 
that's heartbreaking <laughs> that is heartbreaking that was a fight and i'm like <laughs> we're in the like 21st century and like why do i still paper but you guys are talking about and a good thing here and i think what i get from it is how you perceive that work regardless of yeah. whether what you're doing is right mm-hmm. or it's you... how you're perceived someone says something about generational mindsets yes. yeah how they think you should be doing things and yeah. i get challenged with this all the time because i'm i'm very 21st century i need a pc i don't like totally saying i don't want to do the work again twice mm-hmm. so let me take my notes here now mm-hmm. and then don't worry about it and i can distribute it via email mm-hmm. but i've had to learn that when i'm at meetings that can't run it has to be like what you're saying that's an mm-hmm. exposed ipad or something where mm-hmm. it's big enough so flat on the table so everybody yeah. can see yeah or yeah so i think i i get that challenge every day at work thinking about how am i perceived even though i'm doing the right thing so yeah and, i think and, the- I, and I, I feel like regardless of who you are right because i feel like as black people like there is sometimes that chip of oh we need to no but i'm saying look no matter who you are you need to work on how you're perceived at work like what is your personal brand Mm -hmm. you know and i feel like it there are levels of it's kind of it is bigger for us in a lot of ways because in some ways we're starting from a negative already yeah Yeah. but i i personally don't try and walk into situations already thinking i'm starting from a negative right Mm -hmm. i'm just thinking Mm -hmm. as a human as a person I need to work on my personal brand, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where I think being able to read the room and understand actually when I'm in this room, right? Because think about this, right? When your parents pick up the phone to the people back home, they speak in their back home voice. But you know, when my mom picks up the phone, she goes, hello. I'm like, what's this? You know, we're used to switching codes as people who are from multiple cultures. So it's just about really extrapolating that out. So, okay, when I'm in this meeting, I know that these people like this kind of language. Mm -hmm. I can Mm -hmm. still use that and still put my point across. Become all things to all men. Come on. Come on. Question though, Mm -hmm. in like 50 years time, Mm. if we're still here, do you think that that is still going to necessarily be the case what will be the case that that sort of adapting is still necessary because i'm I think thinking it's always because yeah. i think what, it's always necessary well what i'm thinking is that obviously the people that well our generation are going to be the leaders of tomorrow right so the senior leadership who have got the traditions of like maybe 50 years ago yeah. they're gonna obviously retire die all of that stuff mm-hmm. sorry to be like blunt but those roles will be filled in it do you know what i mean but, 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 but I then again i guess there's the gonna be a though. new generation that comes exactly because i mean even right now you can see a lot of companies have adapted they're on social media yeah and uh, they were on linkedin they're on twitter um some are now entering instagram yeah. it's like oh should they be on tiktok as well <laughs> so there will always be there'll always be like new technology yeah. Um, yeah. and i think there'll always be new ways of working and how the next generation will adapt yeah. that does fit in terms of how we are and how we've been trained because yeah. i mean i speak for myself i definitely know because i've been trained by the old school guys and yeah. i'm a bit of old soul there is still <laughs> there is things in me yeah i was just gonna say i think even forgetting about generational gaps there's just personality differences yeah right like all of our personalities aren't the same mm-hmm. you know there are different ways that you interact with different people because you know who they are and what they like and what they don't like you know 
so I think you'll always need that and I think that that being all things to all men is like a timeless truth I think we'll always mm-hmm. need that kind of thing definitely I do think that's going to be really interesting to see what companies look like in 50 60 years time though especially oh, even perfect. from a like black point of view like not mm-hmm. just from a black mm-hmm. point of view but I think mm-hmm. particularly that's where my interest lies in particular <laughs> 50 60 years because I'm thinking that a lot of us are the children of first generation immigrants whatever the yep. saying is I don't know how it goes but like mm. basically our parents came over here and we're like the first round of those who are actually going mm. into the places that they once looked at as wow these are high and mighty positions and so I think as that trickles down it's going to be really interesting to see what the future holds mm-hmm. for sure for sure let's wrap this one up then yeah go ahead Thank you guys for listening to another Reason to Behold podcast episode. And thank you guys once again for coming on, Mr. Galvanizing Gus, Money Mims, oh. and oh. Special oh. Special Nash. Thank hey, you guys for coming. Thank you for having us. Where's the alliteration for that? Two S's, bro. Special Special. no it's been great having you guys on as usual thank you for your insights and for the listeners as well we hope and pray that you're encouraged by the different things that were shared if there's anything that you're thinking maybe you're the kind of person that heard about mentorship and sponsorships and you're thinking you know what i really want to go far in my career i really want to advance but I'm, i'm i feel like i'm an imposter then you know hit us up send us a comment we can probably hook you up with one of these two amazing ladies or one of us amazing men (laughs) um for those who don't know sorry i was just gonna say you might need to clarify the hooking up bit because you know some people (laughs) so just to clarify when we say hook up we're not talking about give them away because they're very much taken okay good thank you so they're available for female to female mentorship and sponsorship (laughs) um but yeah, so for those who don't know, we are on YouTube, Instagram, everywhere at Reason to Behold Facebook. Get at us, drop some comments, send us some inbox DMs, follow, and just hit us up. And we'll be back, we'll be, we'll be, we'll be, we'll be, and we'll be back with another one. Peace. Another one. <laughs>